This is Anthony Arino, and you're listening to In the Arena. Step into the arena. I never need an excuse to bring David Allen back in the arena, but when I noticed he had a GTD summit scheduled for June 20th and 21st in Amsterdam, I reached out to ask him if he would talk about supercharging your productivity here, about what he's recognized in the way of the way things have changed for people over the years since GTD, Getting Things Done, was published, and to also ask him some questions about productivity more generally. This is David Allen, author of Getting Things Done, what you might know as GTD, in the arena. Go ahead. And look at the giant stack of Getting Things Done translated into every language <laughs> on earth. Yeah, yeah. That's... How, how many languages have you been translated into? Do you know? I, you know, of the various three books, ultimately, I think about 28 or 30 languages, you know, somehow one, one of the books anyway. That's a lot. And just shows what a, a force this is for people in this day and age. God, you could have fooled me, Anthony. You know, it's like I, I had no idea how much uptake there was going to be on this thing. I just needed to write the manual and get it out there. But, you know, luckily it hit a nerve. So, yay. It's, uh, I, I've said this to you before here, but for people who might not have heard our prior podcasts, you know, the first time I read Getting Things Done, I had n no understanding whatsoever. I'm like, this is a madman. I, I don't understand <laughs> it at all. And, and I set the book down and at, at some point it was just in a box of books because I have a lot of books. And I walked by and I saw the title again and I thought, I better give that another look because I'm really overwhelmed with all these things. And then the second time through, I'm like, oh... So get control of this. And then, uh, as you, you know, because you've done this work for so long, I got a little bit of control and then immediately went back to chaos and, and getting the discipline to sit down and look at something weekly uh, takes a lot of effort. And then until you really get in that habit, you really don't have any understanding of what you should be doing and what you're not doing and whether or not it's intentional at all. But about, yeah. About, yeah. about the third or fourth try, I started to get pieces to stick. Yay. It's a behavioral change. It is. And interesting because it, it sounds and looks in a way so simple. I mean, just get stuff out of your head, decide actions and outcomes, park the stuff in some trusted lists, look at them regularly, you know, keep them current. Why you is know, that so damn hard? The big duh. I don't know. I guess it's why you know, diet and exercise and, you know, being polite and being nice to your kids, you know, all that, all that's hard. It's all simple, but you know, like you're, you're right. They're just habit changes. And these are very subtle habits that people have. I think people, one of the reasons people, I think resist this, the GTD process is keeping stuff in your head gives you a false sense of control. And control is probably the biggest human addiction. 
Oh yeah. You want you, you want to kind of keep everything. Oh my God! I, you know, none of us wake up go. I can't wait to be an incompetent jerk today. <laughs> you know, so we, we need to feel like we sort of got our world I, under control I, I in, in a way. If you're right about that, there may be a few people <laughs> who start off with that as their primary uh, intention for the day. At least I've run into those characters occasionally. Yeah, um, I want to talk about. Um, the change that you've gone through in your own career, because you've now, I don't, I don't know even how to describe what you've done with GTD. It's now a propped up legitimate uh, training course and, uh, and, and more than that, now worldwide. And you've been doing this now for the last couple of years, the move to Amsterdam. So tell me uh, a little bit about what's your role in all this now. And I know you've, you've brought on a lot of folks. <clears throat> Well, actually, we've <laughs> we shrank from fifty people to eight people in terms of our company because now right. that we've now that we've partnered with people who can distribute this methodology, you know, in a in a trusted way, and we've we've been pretty rigorous in terms of our quality control and certifying master trainers, you know, around the world, uh, and you know, I, I feel really comfortable now. If I got run over by a bus, that there are at least twenty people out there that would keep this thing going, you know, for the next generation or two. So that's great, you know, to have now embedded that and certainly in, in, in trusted people who really get this. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's subtle stuff to get. So it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a world-class group of people that have been attracted to it, you know, to do this work. So that's great. So a lot of my work and Catherine, my wife, is, is sort of some refinements we're doing now with the global educational model itself in terms of refining that for you know, some better instructional designs, better follow through, better, you know, get the stuff to stick, you know, kind of things that we're, that we're working on. And then supporting the, you know, our new, you know, relatively new anyway, franchisees, licensees around the world, yeah. uh, helping, yeah. helping build their brand and, and give them the credibility, you know. Is, and, is some of that instructional design now that you have 20 people doing this, you know, around the world in different countries and different different cultures, even though I think we're all more alike than different, especially when it comes to these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. But is it more about how to affect that behavioral change now? Yeah, yeah, it is. And, and that's not my area of expertise. I mean, I'm, I'm the last person in the world that you want to have be your trainer or your coach. I'm too, I just, I have no patience, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just want to get the end. I, I did the research. I got, I found out what this thing was. Here it is. Take it or leave it. You know, then I want to be sort of on to whoever next wants to potentially learn some of this. And so, you know, I, I, I've been a pretty good educator, you know, and researcher about this, but again, instructional design wasn't my forte. Right. And, you know, I've had to, I've had to, you know, they've, they pulled me kicking and screaming into cutting this stuff down and simplifying it. So people don't, aren't overwhelmed by it, you know, because as you know, you, you picked up the book and you're like, ah, you know, my God, this is too much. You know, what? you know, and I just wrote the manual. I didn't, it wasn't written as a training book. It was written so that I could, in case I got run over by a bus, at least there, the information's out there in some virtual form. So, uh, so anyway, so, so yes, yeah, so we've run across some really, really excellent folks that have, that we've brought on to help look at this stuff and, uh, you know, give us some, you know, tips and also be, just be resources, you know, for building in a, you know, follow through. So, um, we ran, we ran across a, a company called mind markers. Uh, they're, they've developed some really, really powerful stuff, uh, about once you've gone through a seminar and it kind of gives you the information, but implementing it 
and, and, and then changing your behavior using the, the models is, is quite another thing. And there's a lot, of, a lot of expertise under the hood that they're building in, like a whole six to 12 month follow through that shows up through digitally, you know, into your, into your world, into your, into your, uh, you know, digital uh, phone or iPads or whatever. So that it, and, and it's not just a repeat of information. It really is get you engaged in things that, that would do that. And again, blew me away. Oh, whoa, these guys are smart. They're, that's probably really good stuff to do. So that's kind of our next exploration, the next, the next field of endeavor is just making sure that, that we, we're as world-class as we can be in terms of this, the educational model. I, I thought you were going to tell me what's next for you was you're writing a, a book called Getting Less Done <laughs> or, or, or something. I, I want to talk to you about that. The, mm. uh, I think that the framework that most people miss uh, about GTD, and I know for certain I did, and now it's become even clear to me that the real power in this uh, is, is found in the framework in making it all work. And this idea about uh, horizontal and vertical and thinking about uh, uh, perspective. And I, I just wonder, my, what my experience is in working with people is that they don't really have any perspective. They just live with the overwhelm and they don't really look at what I'm going to call a, a values-based hierarchy on, on what's most important. And then I, I've I've done this a, a couple times over the last year where I've collected everything. I'm good at that. That's the easy part of GTD. Collection's easy. If you think that you got it with this, that part, you're completely wrong in my mind. It's good that you have it. It's necessary. But I, I've had a couple times to look at the, my project list and go through and say, I don't care about this at all. Uh, it is nothing that I should even be concerned about or doing anything about. Goodbye, delete. And it's gone. And the sense of satisfaction you get from deciding what not to do is uh, often greater than deciding what you are going to do. Just deciding, this makes no difference to me in my life or anyone else's. So why is it sitting on this list, creating this uh, psychic control over my attention You know, when I'm going through a review when I, I could care less? And I think that we missed <laughs> Well, yeah, but, you know, but don't, you know, don't beat yourself up about that. I mean, uh, you know, crap, crap self-generates. It doesn't self-destruct. <laughs> So things by their very nature, see every one of those projects was a, a critical thing for you when you, when you decided to do it. Right. It was, you know, it's just that time changes the nature of, of things. So everything in the center drawer of your desk, do you have a drawer in your desk? No. Yeah. Well, do you have a drawer anywhere around you? You know, I do. I have three right over there. Yeah. Right. Well, everything in those drawers belong there at one point. And none right. of them belong there now. <laughs> well, you don't know, but, but by the very nature of time, see that ball, those ballpoint pin refills, exactly that's where they go when you had that ballpoint, but you haven't had that ballpoint for four years, right? <laughs> so they have now become crap simply by the, by, by the passage of time. So it's true about all of this. That's why the regular sort of self-regular reassessment of, you know, how real is this for me? I've changed. So is that is that still an errand I want to run? Is that still something I want to talk to somebody about? Is that still, you know, an article I want to draft? You know, uh, so yeah, that's the healthy uh, introspective exercises for sure. Yeah, and if you do it, you know, on a, a regular basis, you you get greater and greater greater clarity in my mind, and and that's the part that I, I want to ask you about. How how much time do you think, in your experience, do people spend or should they spend? 
really looking at that hierarchy of saying perspective and what is really my mission, my purpose, my meaning, and are these things in line with that? Should I be thinking about it? I don't think that people pause long enough to do this now. And yeah, well, you need as much as you need to and as little as you can get by with. You know, you don't want to be sitting, thinking about your life purpose, you know, 24 hours a day. Come on. You know, when I'm, when I'm dorking around with whatever I do, I don't want to be, I, I want to have thought about it so that I feel comfortable to just dork around and do nothing. You know, so <laughs> you just need to do, it's kind of like anything with GTD. You need to do as much as you need to do to get that off your mind. Right. But if you, if you have things coming toward you in your life for which, you know, some sort of a goal for the next 12 months is really going to be important for you to, to fulfill or to finish in order to make those bigger things or more important things happen, then you damn well better be reviewing that regularly if you want to get that off your mind. So it's funny, you have to use your mind to, to clear your mind. So, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't clear your mind by, by meditating. You, you can leave your mind by meditating or drinking. You know, and I do both. You know, but, At the same but, time? I have, yeah, it's possible. Um, but, you, but, but that doesn't clear that part of you, you know. So you need to, in order to feel comfortable to meditate or drink, you kind of need to have gone through the process of saying, okay, I don't need to do anything but meditate or drink. Uh, right now. <laughs> you know, and that's fine. I, I'm, I'm getting the sense that you're, you're projecting the rest of your afternoon in uh, Amsterdam. <laughs> well, who knows? My Catherine's in California right now, so I'm kind of batching it. So I actually, I'm just cleaning up a bunch of dorky stuff that I needed to do. So okay. I, the reason I ask you this, I read an article last week that the average person picks up their smartphone 110 times a day. And, mm. and I think that would literally be every 10 minutes of the time that you're awake if you sleep eight hours or something close to that, six or seven times an hour. And I just wonder, we're, we're checking in on all these things that when you look at perspective, probably don't mean anything at all and for, the, for the most part. Not that it's not, I mean, there's a lot of things that you, you can connect with people and communicate with them in these new platforms. That's great. But it seems like the, the balance has now shifted to what is now and not it, what is important. And we keep leaning more and more on our technology. And I think the technology continues to be uh, designed in such a way to interrupt you. So there's a text message that chimes. There's an email that chimes. Uh, there's all these things that distract us. And I, I, I'm, I guess the way that I would phrase this is when I look at how people are, are trying to produce results, if you're interrupting yourself every 10 minutes, then you're really probably not doing the thinking that you need to. And you're certainly not exercising the discipline of probably doing the work that you should be doing. I agree. And you don't want to shoot the medium. I mean, you know, right. it, it's a tricky line. It's a tricky line between just fun stuff, you know, that will let your brain relax. You know, I can be as distracted by boats going over by the canal that I can see out my window as I distracted by whose dog is barking out there right now. And, you know, come on, there's no difference between that and your, you know, buzz on your phone. Uh, the buzz on the phone, though, can tend to be a bit addictive, you know, in terms of in terms of that. So how much of it is just grazing and letting your brain daydream and relax and, and looking at multiple horizons, which is fabulous for your iPhone or your iPad to be able to do that. Uh, you know, I was, I was, as I was eating lunch, I was, you know, reading the Atlantic and the New York times and the Dutch news and, you know, I'm just scanning around all kinds of things. Nothing wrong with that. 
You know, so, so uh, you know, it just it allows you multiple horizons. But if you have to do that because you're avoiding doing something much more important or you're letting yourself get sucked into that as opposed to being more reflective and seeing things from a little more, let's call them mature perspective, sure, it could be very distracting. I, I find that if you do um, three 90-minute blocks of work in a day, you're probably more productive than anyone you know. I mean, you don't, there's no reason to try to work 18 hours a day. You, you don't do the yeah. quality of work, and it means you're probably doing things that... Especially if you're doing, yeah, especially, uh, Anthony, if you're doing knowledge work, where you have yeah. to think. Because yeah. thinking, thinking actually is a cognitive muscle, and you know, they know now with research that you're, you can only think about four hours a day. You know, I mean, if you're trying to write a book or you're trying to write a blog or you're trying to write a, you know, do something that requires a good bit of that cognitive thinking process, that's actually a muscle that can tire out. That's why they talk about decision fatigue. You know, at the end of the day, if you've had to make a ton, you know, a ton of hard decisions, you know, don't even think that you're going to have any willpower left. You know, none. Yeah, it's all, it's all, it's all drained out. So yes, you're right. If you're doing knowledge work, you know, if you're doing if you're gardening, you can garden all day long, and, you know, and, and it'd be fine, you know. So, uh, That's but I, it, meditation, it, though, in some ways, yeah, can be for sure, for sure. But the cognitive muscle, yeah, I, I agree with you. If you're if you're doing this kind of work, where you have to think about how to respond to emails, you have to think about how to draft that proposal, you have to think about how to you know craft the slide deck. You know, those are those are those are tough work. I think just uh, processing your emails hard. I mean, you have to decide what it is, what it means, what needs to be done, when it needs to be done, what should you reply, when do you have to reply? It's a, it's a enormous cognitive load in my mind. Just to- oh, I, I, you know, just today, I, you know, I, I, I found all kinds of excuses not to deal with two ugly emails, and and so the good news is that I cleaned up everything else, and then so there was nothing left but the two ugly emails. <laughs> but then, because I have the habit of having an empty in basket. Oh shit! Okay, so I got to sit down and make those hard decisions and deal with that. So can can you just type back no? (laughs) Just just no, No. nothing else. Like the answer is no. No, because this had a lot to do with my taxes. So I could I could do that, but the consequences on the back end would not be that that comfortable. Maybe you should just write the check and get it over. Actually, what I did was it was my accountant uh, here in the Netherlands that said, I, I had sent him a spreadsheet of my P&L, you know, for my Dutch, the, the little Dutch corporation that I had to set up. And uh, he came back and said, well, look, our records show da, 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 a little bit of a discrepancy. And I went, oh, God, I'm going to have to go back and try to find <laughs> what those are. And I looked at it, and the, the difference was so small. I said, screw it. You know, it, <laughs> I'll go with your numbers. <laughs> <laughs> it's easier than doing that's, that's fine. It's, it's easier than the research project. <laughs> exactly. Um, what what do you see as being new or useful or maybe not useful in in just the productivity space in general? Not much. <laughs> and I mean, basically, there's not been no real game changers since the word processor and 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 spreadsheets, you know, and and you know, relational databases and all the sort of derivative stuff out of that have come out of those. Those were game changers. They changed how we how we thought. And, and our productivity went up by, you know, mega tons uh, with both of those, uh, both of those digital tools. Since then, it's just speed and volume. Give me anything that's, that's changed how you thought, you know, since those things, other than it's faster and it's quicker. And, and there's a greater volume that you have to process. 
there's definitely a greater volume. And I, I also think there are better tools for organization now, even though you might argue with that. Cause I think that you, I, I think I've heard you say or write in the past that uh, the Palm Pilot was pretty much as good as it ever needed to be for, for keeping the list and that there was no reason to go any further than that. Yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> I, you know, I have the vision about, I have the vision about what, what, what the future software will be. And it's all about decision support. You know, before you talk to me, you should have already programmed how much data of what sort about me you want to see and vice versa. You know, and, 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 and you know, you don't want Nazi-ware. You don't want digital world to make decisions for you. You want it to create a, an appropriate context so that you have optimized the value of your thinking and the value of where you put your focus. So, you know, you, you need to, how often do you want to see your strategic plan or your core values or the different horizons? You should have already programmed, programmed that in somewhere and then have that come back to you. Right now, it's still a bit labor intensive. You could still do that. There are tools you could, you could do that with, but wouldn't it be nice if you said, hey, every four months, I want to be reminded of my niece because I only have talked to her and I know she's got some issues going on and that'd be really cool. Thank you very much. And every four months, you get a little ding or you see a hologram of her show up, you know, in front of you and, you know, you get to then add and you know what her birthday is and what her favorite colors are and what the name of her dog is. And, you know, all those cool things that would add huge value to your relationships. Yeah. So think about that. That's all that technology is out there right now, but it's very, very, you'd have to really sit down and, <laughs> and have to work and be super nerd to try to craft all that to really make it work. So I, I, making I, that easier is where the future is going to be. I think there are a lot of people who uh, run down the productivity uh, rabbit hole like that and try to hack a bunch of systems together to, to create that kind of thing. What do you think about uh, tools? Like I like OmniFocus a lot and mm -hmm. I like it now that they've done tags, which is sort of an anti GTD principle of context. Um, but really it still is context. Yeah. And, the, no, there's no anti-GTD. It's like if it works, it's that's that's GTD. Oh well, then you you haven't spent as much time uh, nerding out over the <laughs> arguments that people have about look, there can only be a single context, and people are like, well, if it's at my computer, that's everything falls into that context now. So what good is it to have that context? And when they did the tags, I mean, there was there was uh, warfare online about whether or not you can have more than one context to any tag, and there were the purists saying. Yes, David Allen would not agree that there could be more than I know. One. And, and because there are tulips sitting over here behind me, the people are going to go, oh, my God, I have to have tulips in order to be productive because David Allen has tulips. It's like, oh, my God, you know, I, I understand. I've been around the, the personal growth game for, you know, too many years to, to know that that's not that's a fairly usual thing to have happen as people get wrapped around. The, they, they get wrapped around what they consider to be important details of the stuff and, and sort yeah. of reify, reify that as the, as the, as the, as the rules. What do you, what do you think about the idea of using tags like that? They changed it from tags, from context to tags. Uh, hey, if you, if you, if you start using tags and you're still using six months from now, they work. Yeah. Most, but what about yeah. using them as a horizon to say this project is actually something that's going to outweigh other projects. Well, cool. Because that's fine. Yeah. Any of that works. You know, some of my biggest champions I know, uh, you know, the night before look through all their list and then just take a three by five card, index card and write down the three things they're going to do if they have time the next day. 
It's as good, as, fine. as anything. Good as anything. Good as anything. It's, like, it's kind of what I do. I just don't, I'm too lazy to write in three by five card. I just glance at all that stuff and, <laughs> and say, okay, and kind of here's what I'm going to do. And, you know, and my life has gotten uh, quite a bit simpler in a way, you know. I would think it, get, it well, you've certainly decided to make it more complicated right now because you're putting on a giant event. Uh, and oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I have an event that I do here. <laughs> where we're expecting a thousand people. So uh, you've made your life infinitely more complicated in some way. So yeah, tell, I know, tell me I know. about why an event and, and why now? I don't know. There, well, there, I could give you several different you know, rationalizations for it. It was just an intuitive judgment. You know, we did a GTD summit 10 years ago in San Francisco, simply because the brand had kind of run out from under us and people were doing GTD and had no connection to the source or the value or the quality of it or whatever. They just read the book and said, well, I'm a GTD or anyway. So uh, in a way to, to kind of protect the brand and bring it back home, we decided to do a summit in San Francisco. We had 30 great presenters that came from all over and about 350 people. And that was right at 2009 when they, the crash had happened. You know, so we lost a bunch of money doing it, but we couldn't buy the PR we got because, you know, if you can go, if you surf GTD Summit San Francisco, you know, you will hear Guy Kawasaki, you'll hear me, you'll hear, you know, whatever, all kinds of folks that were there, you know, and that was really neat. And it was such a unique event. Paul Sappho at Stanford, he said, he was one of the speakers. He said, David, don't do this again, because this was such a unique event. You know, you don't want to make this some sort of a templated thing that you're trying to do on a consistent basis like that. And I said, okay, I got you. And so I didn't plan on doing anything else like that again. But now in the last 10 years, since then, we've now are, have licensees officially in 60 countries and, uh, you know, a great licensee in the U.S. And, and, you know, essentially GTD is, as a global phenomena has really, the trains left the station, you know? And so I wanted to make sure that I got, look, I'm 73. So at this point, I figure I'm never going <laughs> to, I'm not going to do another one of these, but that it would be really good to bring the, the kind of global network of people that have been attracted to GTD together because where two or more are gathered, all kinds of cool stuff happens. And so we're designing two days of that. And, and what better place than my adopted city of Amsterdam to do this, you know, which is a sort of the seat and oasis right now, openness and, and accountability and practicality and whatever. Uh, so it just all seemed to be perfect timing for it. And we didn't really know how to do this. And so we, we, we wound up being able to hook up with two guys who are absolutely brilliant, um, uh, at producing these kind of events. You know, they're, they're, the, they're kind of the real behind the scenes of the next web, probably the best tech conference in the, in, in Europe anyway. You know, they went from 500 people to 16,000 last year. That's you know, so yeah, and, and so managing all of that to find people who are willing to do that and, and excited to do that, you know, with us was really neat. So all, uh, it was a number of kind of a perfect storm of, of opportunities and, you know, that, 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 that showed up and, you know, we rolled the dice. We said, okay, let's try it. And hey, we've only been publicizing it really for the last, we've been working on it for about 18 months. But um, my first invitation to my sort of A-list of presenters got so oversubscribed. We've got about 45 or 50 presenters now that are coming on their own dime to do this. And people like Marshall Goldsmith and Jim Fallows and, 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 and Katie Coleman, one of the first women astronauts who's a huge GTD fan. She was coached while she was on the space station. Um, so, you know, kinds of, all kinds of what, really creative people are going to be there. What's your connection to Fallows? 
Well, Jim wrote about me. I don't know how he heard about me to begin with, but he wrote about me a very nice article back in the Atlantic yeah. about, about five, mm, gee, about God, maybe even nine years ago now. And so he and I hooked up and we just have become really good friends. I mean, he's such a great guy and so smart. He's a smart so, guy and he's a great writer. Absolutely. And yeah. he's, he's got a nose for where the action is on the planet, really. You know, all of his work in China and his last book is about all the cool things that are going on in some very cool places around the U.S. Small some places of them. in the U.S. Yeah. 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 yeah it's I great, great stuff. Work. He's, uh, he's a, a good writer and I like the Atlantic a lot. How many people yeah. are you expecting at this event? You know, um, I, ideal would be 1,200, 1,300. The, the, the venue can, the, uh, it's, it's a wonderful venue. It's a very interesting place, but it was already set up with all the tech. It's got a nine meter, 18 foot high, 180 degree screen, right? That, that makes anything that shows up on the stage, you know, when you get a backdrop of that kind of thing against it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's stunning. So it's gonna be a, a, a very interesting, interesting venue. So it's the Theater, Theater Amsterdam. Uh, <clears throat> actually, it was a whole theater that was built for the play Anne, Anne, you know, Anne Frank, mm -hmm. uh, to be able to handle <clears throat> moving a whole set like that into there. Anyways, uh, long story short, no need to go into that detail, but it's going to be in, a, in an interesting venue. And so that's, that's our idea. We're already 20% subscribed. So, you know, kind of well, moving I'm fast. Because I'm on uh, the GTD Connect list, I got notification, you know, I think probably as soon as you announced it. And mm -hmm. If I could make it there, I might. It's June, but I'm, that may be a tough time for me to get there. But I'd love to, uh, to, to see it and see you again. How, uh, how many of the 45 presenters is this? Um, it, over the course of the two days, is it more of a workshop style? What is the, uh, <coughs> what's the approach for the content? We're still working on that to, to, to sort of take advantage and optimize both the venue itself as well as the, the audience. But, you know, our, the, the model that worked so well in San Francisco 10 years ago was, was some pretty powerful panels. We had a panel on tech and GTD. We had a panel on education and kids and GTD. We had a panel on, so having panels with a lot of these presenters there so that they get to do some of their own things so people know who they are and then very engaged with, you know, with, a, a, you know, a group that are, you know, an, an audience for themselves. So that's going to be part of it. There'll be a few keynote kind of people like Marshall and other people who are, you know, and Jim and who are, who are great at that, at that level of game and have, you know, great backdrop messages, you know, for everybody. And then also a bunch of roundtables, roundtables, you know, uh, where once you heard a speaker maybe talk for a kind of an inspirational five or 10 minutes on stage, then they'll be sitting at a table and they'll have eight or 10 people sit around them and, you know, be able to have a real informal conversation, you know, with those kind of folks. So combinations of all of that is what we're intending to do. I think the conversations at the table end up being um, probably part of the greatest educational uh, experience because you're checking ideas and listening to other people's ideas and their interpretation of things. And it reminds me of, you know, the reason I think the college experience is so good is because you're sitting with a group of people uh, talking about issues and how to process and think about them. And, you know, it's, sure. and, and you, when you're getting different perspectives and I, I really think all growth uh, comes from perspectives. I mean, and yeah. you have a perspective and, as a human being, you really like your perspective. And then somebody else says, you ever look at it through this lens? Like, no, I, yeah. I haven't seen that perspective before, yeah. but it's useful. 
So we, we, yeah, we intend to trigger a lot of conversations and have people sort of aware of a lot of resources. We're going to build a lot more kind of ego strength, essentially, for our new franchisees about, oh, my God, this is a global thing going on. And look at these cool people who, you know, who, who, who are champions you know, of this work. And that's going to help them with their own businesses and their own PR a whole bunch. You know, a lot of this is going to be recorded and maybe some of it's going to be streamed. You know, so it'll, it'll, it'll put a marker there. And we need to build, especially with GTD, because, you know, not many conferences have so much in common as anybody who would come to a GTD conference, right. you know, in terms of who you want to hang out with. You, you know, the problem is, is these 45 people, I would spend a whole day with any one of them by themselves because they're all friends. They're all, you know, so such cool folks that, you know, so, and so interesting and so smart and doing such incredible creative stuff now anyway so build we're so we're building in as much social time as we can to be able to then facilitate just go hang out and and chat and have a glass of wine and you know yeah, chat with marshall or with jim or with you know or with any of those you know any anybody that's going to be there yeah i feel like marshall is uh and uh, i i have a friend uh, who's friends with marshall and uh, i think he's uh, a great thinker but I think he's uh, already just so, so zen already. Yeah, <laughs> it makes total sense for him because yeah. he is. Sure. Well, I coached Marshall about 25 years ago. So and he's always been a huge champion of my stuff. And you know, Anyway, so yeah, most of these people have incredible stories like that. <clears throat> Again, Katie, who was on the space station, uh, you know, was coached by Meg, one of our, our senior, you know, GTD coach. I know Meg. And so she had to stop when, when Katie got on the other side of the planet because they <laughs> lost communication, you know, and Katie would tell you, you know, GTD changed her life. It was, it was powerful. And she's also a concert flutist. You know, I don't know why, if you know that, but one, when she was on the space station, she actually played a duet with Jethro Tull and he was, he was down on, on the earth and no, they did that. They, they streamed that together. So that's very cool. That is super cool. Is, doesn't the space station, I mean, doesn't it lose? The, the, it's going like seven every 17 minutes or something. I, I've heard I don't it's, know. Uh, something it, like it's that. Really difficult because the light just keeps coming by. You just keep going by seeing the sun so often. I've heard well, it. Well, I asked Katie, how do you do an in basket in, low, in no gravity? Right? Because <laughs> <laughs> everything, everything's floating. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not visual? jealous of that experience of living on a space station <laughs> from hearing people talk about it. It doesn't sound like a very comfortable environment to be in for as long as they're there. Well, right. where do people go to, uh, to find out more about the conference? It's really difficult. GTDsummit.com. GTDsummit.com. Okay, well, we'll send people there. And I uh, always appreciate getting to see your face and talk to you. And I'm appreciative of your work and the time I got to spend with you in Amsterdam having coffee. And uh, it was delightful. And you're delightful. Hey, and, mutual. Uh, it's mutual, Anthony. Yeah. And uh, hopefully maybe I'll see you at the summit. Yeah, I hope so. I never need an excuse to bring David Allen back in the arena, but when I noticed he had a GTD summit scheduled for June 20th and 21st in Amsterdam, I reached out to ask him if he would talk about supercharging your productivity here, about what he's recognized in the way of the way things have changed for people over the years since GTD Getting Things Done was published, and to also ask him some questions about productivity more generally. This is David Allen, author of Getting Things Done, what you might know as GTD, in the arena.